Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're still there. We're finishing off Acts chapter 2 today. Verse 42. Are we ready? You, you guys, so I just want to preface this whole thing by saying to you that if we have a mentality, and maybe you could just think about that, because it's amazing to be a thinking Christian, that you don't have to take everything just on blind faith because someone says it, but that you think it through. If our intention in life is to get, get, get you ready for heaven, then in a way you'll never be ready for earth. You'll never be ready for this place. And sometimes there's a misunderstood discontentment for where we're at because we think we should be in heaven. Does that make sense to you? But our goal is, and I hope we're getting better and better at this, is to actually not get you ready for heaven, but get you, get, get you, if we get you ready for heaven when you die, then we are just preparing you for death. What we want to do is we want to prepare you for life. Because it's not as much as getting, we don't want, we don't want to focus as much on getting into heaven as much as we want to focus on heaven getting into us. Does that make sense? In 1 Kings, you can read the event, the account of Solomon building this temple. We know this temple was incredible, and God, by His incredible grace, of the, on the opening day of this temple, came into this temple. His presence came into this temple. But if you read 1 Kings 8, and the, the chapters are all there in the Kings of this temp, building of this temple, Solomon brought another man outside of Israel to come in and be the chief designer of this temple. Which meant, many scholars believe this, N.T. Wright, this is N.T. Wright I'm quoting now, believes that Solomon built this temple for God's glory, but there was confliction within the temple because he also built it for his own glory. This is huge. So even the things that we do sometimes with the best and greatest intentions have a subversive thing that we sometimes are not even aware of. That it's for God's glory, for sure, but it's also for our glory. Now, if you think that's like a random thing, just wait until I'm going to try and speak along these lines. It was amazing to me again this morning. I don't know why I'm still surprised that every Sunday morning, God confirms His Word. And I don't have a broad team in which I prepare my sermons with. So when, when Phil and Kath and people say scriptures that are, and Sylvia quotes scriptures that are like exactly in line with this. This morning, Kath quoted Matthew, the pearl of great price. There's a guy who found a pearl in a field, buried the pearl back up, went away, sold everything he had to buy the pearl. He gave everything he had to give the pearl. There was no confliction. He contended with his reality. Contend. Please say contend. He contended with his reality, which I'll explain later, to acquire the pearl of great price. And as a result, there was no confliction. He was all in. The weird dynamic for us living in a world today is that Christendom, or the postmodern church, has created a space where we can have the pull of great price and we can have everything else. It's the, it's, 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 the, it's the contrite reality of the Temple of Solomon. We want the glory of God. We want it. We want to encounter God. We love God's presence, but we also want our own way. We also want our own life. We also want our desires to be preeminent over the desires of God so the contentment doesn't happen in, the in, in our lives. It happens in the church. And we end up with a community of people that are divided. And the reality and the outcome of that is that we will fizzle away and we will not have a generational reality. 
And at the end of it all, we will still keep praying and preaching when we die. One day, when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. No, when heaven comes into all of us, what a glorious day that will be. Heaven cannot be in us because the word says light has nothing in common with darkness. And so there is this definite, undeniable, Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, but 2 for now, reality of baptism. The baptism of water. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism simply signifies in a very practical way that all of you and all of me has to be submerged under the water. Completely covered. Completely submerged under the water. Which means all we give to Jesus. This is all before I'm just reading this chapter. I'm not even reading these five verses. I'm going to read it now. The irony for us in relationships, and there's so many guys now in the last 10 years that are starting to write about emotional health and spiritual health, not separating the two, saying you can't separate emotional health from spiritual health. If you're spiritually immature, you're emotionally immature and therefore the other way around. And you cannot say you're a spiritual giant, but you're emotionally immature. The two grow together. And so the, the, the irony or the reality of this is, is that in our brokenness, some of us, okay, community is our medicine. Community is our safe place. Community is the anvil. Community is the safe hands of a father that will never let you go and never put more on you than you can handle. Community. But in essence, it's the very thing that because of our culture, we are vehemently fighting against. We want community in which we can still have autonomy and independence to express who we are. The glory of the kingdom of heaven that we want to get in us is that there is huge diversity in unity. You're confused. That means that we can be who God has created us to be and still have absolute, beautiful, powerful, pure unity. So it is not talking about conformity. It doesn't mean that we all must wear gray suits and red ties, that we all must speak a certain way, have in the end We celebrate difference. We celebrate it. Whatever place of difference you are in, God will reveal to you if it's not true, according to 1 Thessalonians. So... If you're broken and all you want to do is run from community, let me encourage you today, all you should do is run into community. Community is the place where what Pete Scazzera calls the shadow side of man, which most often we are not aware of, comes out. Outside of community, ah, oh, it doesn't need to come out. I can be and do whatever I want to do. It's in community where the shadow side comes out. And true community is, are those who love one another and can process and live and love and speak the truth and walk it out together. Not to put each other in place. That's not what it means at all. How many of you guys did the Emotionally Healthy course in the last three months? Let me just see. Cool. It's about half, half of us. And so here, Peter stood up, preached an incredible sermon about the church in verse 42, the fellowship of the believers... He says five verses. This is Luke speaking again. Verse 42. Everybody read? Cool? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had Everything in common. 
selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Biblical community... I'm going, to, I'm going to get to breaking down these verses a little bit. I'm going to actually speak short because it's sunny, it's summer, and we all need to get in the pool. Jokes. Um, biblical community is the intentional re- relationships around the way of Jesus. Because we are well aware that there are many communities, right? I was, at, at, I was the other day exercising, and a guy was there, and I recognized the tattoo of a military battalion of South Africa. I said, like, wow, don't tell me you're from 3-2 Battalion. He's like, yeah. Can't believe it. He says, You've got to join the veterans. I'm like, Are you what? You've got to join the veterans. I'm like, I'm not from South Africa. He's like, So am I. I got, I got the veterans, and I don't get parking tickets, and I don't get speeding fines because I have a veteran sign on my thing. He's like, For anything else, that's a great reason to be a veteran. And the beers are two bucks at the moth club. It's like, Well, okay. I like this guy. He's a very cool guy. The bottom line, when I thought, thought about this for a little bit, people are desperate for community. In fact, all of us on this planet, we are actually wired for community. We seek community out. And there are thousands of communities. You can, it's just amazing, the, the communities. There are actually people who meet so often together collecting coins. I mean, shoot me. It is brutal but they love it, and it's a community, and they get together, and they love it. It's fantastic. And there are others who, who join sport teams, and, and it goes on and on. We were, we were born for community. But biblical community, or what shall I call it, uh, those, that, those that are con- confessing and feel this desire to be disciples of Jesus, those who follow, those who've laid everything down to follow Jesus, is centered around becoming more like Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? And the ways of Jesus. And so therefore it's important for us to look at the ways of Jesus. Acts chapter 2 is an amazing example of what sustainable, powerful community looks like. Doesn't it? Okay, so we're going to look at that for a little bit. So, the first thing that happens, there are two things, main things that happen in community. First thing, first thing that happens, and this is a good thing, exposure. Who are the two disciples that asked Jesus, they could, the mom came and sat on their left and their right, was it John and James? James and John, right? So they said, hey, the mom came and said, hey Jesus, when you're in heaven, can my son sit on your left and your right hand? Meaning, can they have proper author- places of authority? And, 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 and all the other disciples are like, eh, what? That's so weird, that's so silly. And we have a glimpse there of a shadow side that has come out. Now, I don't think if they were aware of it. Maybe they cringed because of their mom. I don't know what the case is. But in us, in my life, I become aware of my shadow side when I'm among my friends and community. Not just my friends. Once we were in the islands and I was, we were practicing a song and one of the guys didn't get the song and I was like, dude, come on, man. Put your shirt on. It was Alexi. He was drumming. He'd just come from the beach surfing and he had his shirt off and he was just here then everywhere. He was like this. And I'm like, dude, get it together. And one of the ladies in the band said to me, Yaku, we are all volunteers trying to serve Jesus. I felt so convicted because my shadow side was just all over the place. Horrible. Driving, not leading. Forcing, being mean to get my point across. 
And shadow side does not come out outside of a community. And so the exposure is a wonderful thing because this is a safe community. Are you with me, guys? Do you guys feel you're safe? You're a safe community. And so nothing will come out if you just stay home. Like if James and John's mom just stayed home that day, nothing would have come out. And so if we, in our Christendom today, place a high value on perfectionism or on hyper-spirituality, like, wow, you guys have got it all together. Friends, I think we miss out so much of true Christian community. John, are you with me? So it's like, it's, like, it's crucial that we, we not, only, not only speak this, but live it out, so that we can come to places where uh, our dark side is, is exposed. And most often, as I said before, we are not aware of these dark sides. Someone else has to go, hey, 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 hey. What about this? You know? And then we repent. We think differently. And as we think differently, heaven comes into our hearts. I'm serious. Like, we are aware when we're singing songs on a Sunday morning about the environment. We want to be aware of that intentionality. Because we want to create a space where people love the presence of God. Why? Because this is really what we're going to be centered around for all eternity. The presence of Jesus. And some people really, to be honest with you, they think they want to go to heaven because the streets are gold. That's nothing. That's nothing. It's the presence. And if you don't like the presence, now, Charles, you're not going to like it in heaven. So it's not about getting to heaven. That's that reality. And that is shaped in community. Everybody with me? Give someone a high five. It sounds like it's very hot in here. Mikey, open those doors, please. Or windows. Or something. And so... The only way, um, there's a book called The Slow Church. I don't really know who wrote it, but it says, the only way to get healing from relationships and relational wounds is from other relationships. <laughs> so our deepest wounds and our greatest healings come from relationships. The people that are closest to me, I have hurt the deepest and they've hurt me the deepest. But they've also brought the greatest love and the greatest healing into my life. And that's why it's deadly to isolate yourself after a relational wound. Because of this. There are people who have been hurt by the community of faith. And who will never have the strength and the courage to come back into this environment. Unless we go into that environment. And bring healing and restore. Forgiveness is one thing. The rebuilding of trust is a whole other thing. That's our responsibility as community. It's definitely a fruit of community. Does that make sense? And so there are lots of people who leave and are wounded and hurt and broken and never want to try it again. Done that. Been there. I actually poured, I sold my house. I gave everything. I gave everything. At the end of it all, I was disillusioned and broken and hurt because of the dark side, the shadow man that we're unaware of. So friends, this is where we really need to grow big time. And there are some great outlines here that I'm going to get to right now. So Sigmund Freud says, to fix your broken parts, there's only one place to go, relationships. This is Sigmund, Sigmund Freud, a great guy. So introverts want to... <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Intro, introverts want to run away, extroverts want to box. It's the fight or flight thing. Freud didn't come up with the fight or flight thing, but that's the reality. In both cases, there needs to be a giving away of the all to acquire the pearl of great price, in both cases. 
The introverts, they want to go to a dark place where they don't hear the monotonous, droning voice of one guy telling them what to do. Just leave me alone. I can figure it out. And on my own, I'll pull myself together. And once I'm pulled together, I'll represent myself into community as a perfect human being. That's a facade. That's veneer. That's veneer. It's literally skin deep. It does not work. It's not sustainable. And you set yourself up to a pattern, a pattern of abuse that will never stop in your life. It will never stop. It's like a girl dating the wrong guy all the time, over and over and over and over. Or a guy, a girl. It's a pattern that needs to be broken. Where does that happen? In community. Why? When the dark side comes out and those that are around you in true loving relationships can speak, can say, hey, what do you think of this? How do you think of that? And so... Introverts, extroverts, it's got nothing to do with your personality type when we come to community. All personality types has to be incorporated within community. Okay, and so before I get to the four final points, there's going to be three minutes about the actual scripture here. Let me just say, this is a quote from Slow Church. Spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Spiritual formation means you are being shaped by the Holy Spirit. You are being shaped by the Holy Spirit. If you have not changed in in areas in your life that you've struggled with, it's only because you've not brought it to community. That's why the scripture says clearly, if you want to walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll have true fellowship with one another. Which means walking in the light means confess your sins to one another, which means community. One another means to us within that community. That's the powerful reality of that. And that's not easy. That's super scary. But it's real. That's real. So you could choose, I want half of my kingdom, half of God's kingdom, and every stone. When the disciples in Matthew 14, Mark 14, was walking with Jesus out of Jerusalem, and he was crying because he knew what was happening, and they knew what was happening, they looked at the building of, of the, build, the temple. The temple was the Mecca. The, no, that's a bad one. The temple was the center, the epicenter of the Jewish culture. Everything happened around that amazing building. The architecture was out of this world. And Jesus didn't say, don't love architecture. I love architecture. And so does Belinda and others. We love it. So he's not saying that. But what he did say is this. Those who put great emphasis into the construction of a facade where God doesn't dwell except by His glorious grace because we are there, not one of these stones will will be left on on top of each other. And today you go to Jerusalem. I've never been. Who's been to Jerusalem? there's There's another building on top of where they think the temple was. Not one of those stones are there. Because there was a... Half for you, half for you. Half for you, half for you. And now we live in a day and an age where Jesus says that we are the temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And that reality is without a shadow of a doubt worked out in community. In community. So long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. If you want to go fast, go alone. You know what the Chinese, Chinese guy said that, or clever Chinese guy. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Guys, we are in the far run here. Why? Because our God is eternal. As a child, I used to torment myself thinking in my brain what eternity means, that there's no end. There's no end. It goes on and on. There's no end. He's an eternal God. And in that eternal, He regenerates, regenerates. Can you imagine? From glory to glory, from faith, to, from life to life to life, for all eternity. He's eternal. That's how we want to go. We want to go together. 
people who stay who stay growing. Uh, people who stay in the community of faith grow. People who leave stop growing. This is just. It's nice to read from quotes from books because I didn't say that, but it's it's true. It's a simple and profound biblical reality that we both grow and thrive together or we do not grow at all. I have 20 scriptures that I can't read. So, these are the four things. Firstly, they got together, they submitted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. What did the apostles teach? I'm going to cut it short and tell you straight out. The apostles taught that Jesus Christ is alive. That's what they preached. They preached that Jesus is alive. Because of this life, because of the fact that Jesus is alive, everything changes. If Jesus was not alive, we had no hope. We should all be in the coffee shop instead of here submitting ourselves to some weirdo that's come up with a word. But Jesus is alive. And the apostles taught that. And based on the fact that he's alive, they put their faith on the line and many signs and wonders and miracles happen through the apostles because they believed that Jesus is alive. Let me ask you this. If you go in your life every day, seeing you are the temple, and they know, if we leave all here today, Jesus leaves with us, guys, I promise you. Jesus doesn't stay in this temple. I promise you, this is just a cool building and he does not stay behind. He goes with you. And therefore, if he's alive, if you come across a mate that's ill, what should be the first words out your mouth? Maybe not Jesus is alive, but if you can, you can. But I, can I pray for you? Put your life on the line and say, yes, I believe in a God who's alive and therefore I want to pray for you, trusting that God will do us. Why, why, why should it be different between the disciples and us if we truly believe he's alive? That was the teaching they submitted themselves to. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is the cement of community. This building was built in 1914. In the late 90s, the bricks on the towers, there are like two towers, pinnacles, what do you call them, started to fall out. And one fell out and almost killed the lady. And then Norman and the team had the, the bricks redressed, as they call them. What happened? I'm not saying this is symbolic or anything, but what happened is that the cement that held the bricks together had decayed and corroded, and there was nothing holding the bricks together anymore. And therefore, the slightest wind with the size of the building would topple, and the bricks would literally just fall off the towers. You cannot have community without being together. Fellowship. It's, it's true, right? I think we're doing okay with that. We can do better there. Have more people at your house for dinner. Like we're all going to Alessandro's house for dinner soon. <laughs> and thirdly, they ate together. Food is a big deal. As you guys know, for us it's a big deal. We like food. I like food a lot. Uh, so we must eat together, uh, but not just eat together. We don't get together and just kind of... Uh, for the sake of eating, we get together with glad and sincere hearts. So, so, so we eat together, but, but we love to be together. Eating is just the facilitating of our togetherness. Simple, right? Guys, it's so simple. We can do all these things. Can you believe it? We can do all these things. We believe in Jesus. We can do miracle signs and wonders. We love to be together. We can be together all the time. And we can cook food, simple food. Even if it's simple meal. We don't have to have gourmet meals. Don't make the meal the thing, but you've got to eat something. Right? Even if it's just one lemon meringue pie, you can eat it. Just ten around the table, one slice each. But we are together. 
They had all things in common, and they loved being together because it was glad and it was sincere. Sincere is a hugely like, dodgy word in the first world Christendom that we live in. We are sincere. We love to be together. And then lastly, pray. These have never been, there has never been on this earth a revival that has not been preceded by prayer. Because prayer contends with the current culture. It engages the current culture. And based on that reality, I want to say to you, number one, it's time for us to arise. Okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do a pep talk here like a coach in the, in the halftime, like they're at the Raptors game. Not at all. Because I know that a lot of you are arising. You are, you are arisen. You are rising. But prayer, friends, prayer is one of four things that characterize the early church. Prayer is the only thing that is common through every move of God that changed society, not just the church. Because remember, the church does not exist for the church. That is not our ultimate final goal. Our final goal is to bring heaven into a society that we live in. So you like dough when you take yeast, yeast in a dough. I watched the, the cake pass last night, the cake show last night. You, you put the yeast in the dough. It's this much yeast and this much dough, and it goes in through the whole dough. And this is the thing. The whole dough rises. The whole dough. We are the yeast. You go from here. The whole city rises. If the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. That's the scripture right there. It's like just you being in your job. Your boss is so blessed to have you. Even if you're not that good at your job yet, you're getting better and better and better because you are the yeast in the dough. You are the hope of the world. You are the light of the world. This is, this is the reality. And prayer is crucial. Guys, 7.30 on Monday nights, we pray here, right there. Contend with the world. Where will you contend? Will you be conflicted in the church? Or will you contend with the world in your personal life through prayer? Or the world will completely overcome us. And we will go, oh, duh, what happened? I'm telling you now what happens. And none of us exempt from that reality. Pray. They pray together. Daily. It's amazing, isn't it? So, so the confliction and contending thing. Um, Ezekiel speaks of a, a, a temple that was not fully God. And... Um, and he speaks about the glory of God departing from this temple because of one reason. It was, it was conflicted. It was half mine, half God's. If you are the temple of God right now, what half is yours and what half is God's? Or is it all God's? Therefore, if you are all God's, God without a shadow of a doubt has a mission for you. Now, I don't generally like military analogies because I hate war. I think it's totally evil. But Paul did say in Timothy that we should not concern ourselves with civilian affairs. Because we are called out from among a separate. It doesn't mean we're snobby, higher, lower, anything like that. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means we have a different agenda. Our agenda is to be, bring heaven here. That's our job. Our job is to bring heaven here. How? By living under the kingship, the rulership of that realm. So we cannot be conflicted in our temple. You are the temple. You are the, yeah, but I want to do this too. No. Over and over the prophet says, one God, no other God. Don't bow, don't give. No idols, me, God alone. Because I've often heard people say, but why was the early church so powerful? They didn't say, they, they were a hodgepodge of guys. They didn't really, didn't speak much of their giftings. They were completely sold out. All in. Warts and all, hurts and all, everything in. They were in. They weren't whole yet, but they were in. I can't get away from that reality. Jesus replies, anyway, tons of scripture. 
1 Corinthians 6, do you not know? The church is now a temple, community, a body. No longer meant to be conflicted. And I'm done. So contending prayer. Come, come to rely. Uh, okay, let me slow down. I'm closing. I'm going to speak about contending. The first thing I wanted to say here about this little piece here is to arise, to awaken. Okay? The, the scripture is full of that reality. Arise. Christ might shine on you. you know? But the contending, the prayer thing for me is a big deal. Um, and contending with God in prayer doesn't mean that we, that we plead for worthiness. We come from the, from the platform as sons. And therefore, we have authority to enforce the Father's heart onto society and particularly onto our lives. We don't come pleading, 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 pleading. If it says that all, uh, all illnesses were healed by His stripes, it actually says were healed. It's like a done deed. So for us now, we want to appropriate that reality. He says He forgave the sin of all mankind at the cross, which means we stand forgiven, which means our prayer life and contending has to move beyond, oh God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, to Lord, I've received your forgiveness, and now I want to stand into the reality of that place where I am. I'm free, I am forgiven, and therefore I no longer go back, and that's the only way we lose the appetite for the things of the world, by contending, by praying. What if your prayer is the prayer? What if your prayer is the prayer for God to break supernatural things open in the Spirit? It's content, never to stop, never grow weary, is what the Bible says. Pray continuously with all kinds of prayer. Sometimes it's like, yes, Lord, we thank you that we passed the inspection. We prayed on Monday night, the men prayed that the lady will arrive here wanting to give us the certificate. I spoke to a couple of people, I'm not going to mention names in our communities, that said we will never pass it. Because we need this, 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 extractor fans, this, that, this, that. She walked in the first second I could see. She wanted to give us this. And when she went down for the water test and she ran the water for five minutes because she had to take a water sample and you know our beautiful beloved block drains, <laughs> block drains started bubbling up, bloop, 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 centipedes and bugs and snot and stuff coming out the drain. <laughs> she looked at Kayla. She's like, are you aware of that? Kayla's like, yes. I'm aware of that. <laughs> so she opened the cupboards. She saw no leaks. She's like, because we just moved the bucket away. <laughs> yeah. Dave Feldman fixed them. <laughs> New tap. And she gave us a certificate because she wanted to give it to us. Because we contended in the spiritual realm. You've got to believe you have authority in the spiritual realm, guys. Not in your passion. Not in your, in your, in your fleshly confidence. But in the spirit. We've got to believe it. We build spiritual authority rather than worldly glory. That's why if our focus shifts from the glory of God to the beauty of this building, we are going to manage shrinkage for the rest of our lives. This must just be like a diving board into the cities, into the nations of the earth. To train our children that in this space, there's community that is safe, that allows our dark sides to come out. Many of you have seen my dark side, and you guys have dark sides too. In fact, all of us do. Thank God, please don't leave. Those who leave, don't grow. Those who stay, grow. If you don't believe me, it's in the book. Sticky, slow church. And so that's community. Just a small glimpse of it. Uh, and in closing, I've got to say, 
I think I can speak for Kath as, as well. I, I do, yes. We love this community. And community, sometimes it's just like a general word for people. But every one of your faces, we love you. And I know that some of you love me. It's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. But, but often we can, in our first world, we can create the veneer of Christendom. We have a veneered Christianity that never allows anything to break through that's not cool and perfect. I was going to have tattoos up my arms. I would have been in the perfect hipster pastor. I was just too old, actually. And I'm, but that's not what's going to do it. Trying to be cool, different. That, none of those things. Those are all amazing, but they cannot be primary. The presence of Jesus among us is our love for one another. And we, we, from Linda to Carl, all of us and all our kids downstairs and the generations that are coming behind us, we are the body of Jesus Christ. Was that dramatic? We are the body. That's why you cannot say to me, you don't need me. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. And I want to stretch that metaphor into physical healing as well. The stomach cannot say to the head, I don't need you. The bladder cannot say to the ankle, I don't need you. The eye cannot say, we are the body of Christ. And we want wholeness. We want healing. We want to walk in the power of the Spirit. Together. Amen? Who does? All right. Awesome. Let's pray. Let's stand together and pray.